Welcome to episode 29 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Always assume the customer knows nothing. So it doesn't matter whether you work in financial services, you're a car mechanic, you're a dentist, you're a cupcake shop, you're a florist, whatever it is. Don't use the jargon and the complex language of your particular industry. Hello, my name's Ian Anderson-Gray, and on this week's episode of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast, we've got special guest Roger Edwards talking about how to communicate your message with simplicity using live video. But first... Looks like it's time for something completely nutty! So I was in the Cheadle Record Store last week and I bought a single from you. It was called uh, The Switcher Studio Song. Really good track, actually. Uh, but uh, I was wondering if you got anything new. Oh, yes. We've got lots of new uh, singles at the moment. So uh, what kind of uh, genre were you looking for? Well, I was thinking of a bit of rock, actually. In fact, I've been listening to something on the radio and it's absolutely fantastic. It's called... Simplicity, I think. It's called the Simplicity Song. Have you got anything like that? Oh, we have. Yes, it's just come in. It's called the Simplicity Song. Shall we put it on? Oh, yes, please. Okay, it's definitely time to get Roger Edwards on the show to talk about simplicity. This is the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray, helping entrepreneurs level up their impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. Gain confidence in front of the camera, confidence with technology, and confidence with the content and marketing. Together, we can go live! Hello, it's Ian Anderson Gray for episode 29 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. It's great to be here. Today, I've got Roger Edwards on to talk about how to communicate your message with simplicity on live video. But first of all, it's time to introduce my first sponsor, and that is none other than StreamYard. StreamYard is one of my favorite live video tools, and it's actually my top recommended tool as a web app. So if you want to broadcast from your web browser, StreamYard makes it so easy to go live because it just works in the browser. And it also works for either whether you're a Mac user or a PC user. It's so incredibly simple to use and has amazing features like being able to have up to five guests on your show. So you have six, including yourself. You can add your titles on the screen. You can highlight comments on the screen as well. And you're able to share your screen as well if you're doing like a how-to live video. You can add your own brand colors and you can also stream to Facebook Live, Periscope, LinkedIn Live and YouTube. Now, all of that is in the free version. 
of StreamYard. So if you just go to iag.me forward slash StreamYard, you can sign up for free and get all of those amazing features. But if you want to go a bit more advanced, the paid version of StreamYard gives you even more stuff, such as being able to add your own logo, overlays, backgrounds, and videos. And also, on one of my, this is probably one of my favorite features. It seems a little bit ironic on a, talking about this on a show where we talk about simplifying things. But having said that, StreamYard makes it so simple to multicast. That's broadcast to more than one platform at the same time. So you can broadcast to Facebook Live and LinkedIn Live at the same time. And it's really, really cool. So if you want to find out more, if you want to sign up for a free account, have a play around, all you need to do is go to iag.me forward slash StreamYard. So today I've got my good friend Roger Edwards on the show. Really excited to have Roger on the show. He's done marketing director roles in UK big corporates and has over 20 years of marketing experience. For the last seven years, he's been consulting with companies on marketing strategy, content, and social media. He's been taking his fighting complexity in marketing talks onto stages in the UK, Montenegro, Albania, Macedonia, Serbia, Chechnya, and the US. And he's the host of the award-winning Marketing and Finance Podcast. It's great to have you on the show, Roger. How are you doing? I'm great, Ian. Fantastic to be on the show. So glad that you asked me to come along here. Very excited to talk to you today about keeping things simple and video and all of that good stuff. Yeah, we definitely need help. So just before we started recording the podcast, we were talking about the fact that a lot of us tend to overcomplicate things, whether it's the technology or the marketing. And I know this has become, I don't know whether you'd say a passion of yours, the whole idea of simplicity. Would you say it's a passion or is it kind of a, almost like a crusade? What would you say? <laughs> I think it's probably both. It's definitely <laughs> a crusade. And I guess as being, because it's been a crusade, it's become a passion as well. It's probably left over from the fact that, as you said in your introduction, that I worked for 20 odd years in big corporates. And especially quite a lot of those big corporates were UK financial services, big corporates. And, and anybody watching the show is, will know that financial services is probably one of the most complicated, bloated, and, and just just plain difficult industries to get your head around, even if you work in it. And all the way through my career, because because I guess I was a traditionally trained marketer, so I did I did a part marketing degree. So I always had that in my head about understanding customer needs, building products to meet customer needs, and then communicating the need to the customer, hopefully so that they would eventually buy it. I always had that clarity of communication running through my head. I wasn't an accountant. I wasn't an actuary, which is like quite a lot of the senior people in financial services, their background tends to be. So I always had that clarity of communication in my head. And, and I guess as those, those 25 years went by, I became increasingly frustrated with the, just the lack of of, of ability of these companies to communicate simply. And, and and I tend to use communication as a proxy for everything else. So if, their lang if the language they use is complicated, it's likely that the products are complicated as well. And it's likely that their customer service process is complicated as well. So I always used to start with the language. And I guess the more senior I got the, and the less traction and the less enthusiasm from other senior people, I started looking around and I guess the year 2000s came along, 2008, 2009, Facebook, Twitter, the increasing availability of video and 
there was little appetite within these companies to actually embrace this new technology and use it to engage customers. And, and I guess that after all that time, the realization dawned that, do you know what? You need to get out of big corporate and start working with companies that actually get it and actually want to communicate with people clearly and simply. And that's what I've been doing, as you say, for the, for the last seven years. So yeah, a, a crusade that's turned into a passion. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I wouldn't say I've got the same level of passion for it, but I still <laughs> feel very strongly about this because I, I just see so much in the marketing world, particularly, which is the world that I'm in, people tend to overcomplicate things. They're using buzzwords. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, for the first two or three years that I started blogging and I started working with uh, some businesses, everyone was talking about this ROI thing. And I hadn't, didn't have a clue what it was. You know, everyone's going on about ROI. And I, I think sometimes there's this, it's almost like an echo chamber. We use these words, these jargon words, and we just expect everyone else to know what we're talking about. And actually, sometimes the people that use these words don't even know what they're talking about. So it's just... No, uh, absolutely. And, and, and you can understand it really mm. because it doesn't matter which industry you work in. If financial services, it could be you could work in a in a florist or a dentist or or whatever the industry is. That industry will have its own language, its own jargon. It's it's almost like Spanish and French. You know, if you spend enough time in a specific industry, as you would in a, a specific country, then you're going to learn the language. And the problem is, is if your customer goes to Spain for the first time, they're not gonna understand Spanish. So if a customer comes to your dentist or your car mechanic or your financial services company and you talk in your language, it's very likely they're not gonna understand you. So I always say, it doesn't matter whether you are in financial services or whatever, always assume that your customer knows absolutely nothing about your industry. Now, okay, you, you could end up upsetting a few people if you almost they may feel patronized if you talk to them in the absolute basic level but to be honest on the whole the experience of i i've had is if you if you bring it right down to zero knowledge and assume people have zero knowledge and therefore don't use any of the inbred language of the industry and talk in simple terms, then actually people feel engaged and actually quite excited about what you're talking about. But if you hit them with the jargon straight away, they'll nod off, they'll disappear, they won't feel engaged, they might even feel enraged, and they'll probably never do business with you after that. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, by the way, ROI stands for return on investment, but we're, we're maybe not talking about this at the moment. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to simplify your message using live video. But I always like to ask my guests on the show where we first met, because primarily because I've got a horrible memory. But I mean, we were talking beforehand and we, we were both trying to remember. And I don't know whether we got to work out when it was. Can you remember? I definitely know when we first met in person. And that was at the Upreneur Summit 2017. So that was two years ago. So that's the first, and it was probably in that Westminster hub on the on the night before Upreneur Summit when pretty much the entire conference population descends on that particular bar in London. And that was when we first met in uh, real life. But, and this is where I'm struggling a little bit, I think we first came across each other within the social media ex examiner forums uh, because that was one of the first, that was one of the first, I guess, social media content marketing groups that I joined. And, and this was probably around about, I don't know, it would probably been about 2013, 14. And I remember talking to you within there and we did jump on a Skype call and we did talk about what interested us. And, and out of that conversation 
quite a lot of the things that I've been doing with my own podcast, what I've been doing with my own video came from that. And we've kept in touch recently until obviously Youpreneur, the, the actual um, online forum came first and then the summit came later. It's often the case, isn't it? Meeting virtually and then actually meeting in person. Sometimes the, the two, the virtual and the real world can blur into one. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. So I want to ask you, why video because i know you do a lot of video i mean you if you haven't checked out roger's youtube channel what's the youtube channel again what how do people it's, find it it's actually roger edwards marketing tv okay well there you go search for that and i'll put it in the show notes because it's awesome what you do so why video and also why live video why should people look at using those technologies those mediums I think that video is almost like the window into the individual. Going back to big corporate times, uh, as I said before we hit record before, I have done quite a lot of video earlier in my career. And I I guess this brings it home to me how incredibly accessible live video and, and video is to all business owners now and entrepreneurs, whereas even as little as 10 years ago, it was actually a really expensive endeavor. I remember being involved in a couple of video productions, probably in 2007, 2008, and we had to bring the entire, almost like BBC camera crew in, you know, big cameras, lots of wires, microphones, those silver discs that bounce light around the place and and you, and you would sit in a sort of makeshift studio or it could even be outside and you would do take after take after take after take after take it would take all day and you'd become absolutely exhausted and at the end of it you'd end up with probably what did look like a pretty professional piece of video that lasted about four minutes or something like that and you think oh my god is that all i've got to show for the entire day whereas t- now you you don't need to get the big professionals in. You could do, but you know we've got iPhones, we've got decent digital cameras on a budget, we've got te- technology like you mentioned before to broadcast. Anybody has got access to really good quality video, whether it's live or pre-recorded, and 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 actually there's not really any excuse anymore in terms of budget. The only excuse we might have is whether we feel nervous being on camera or whether we feel that we might mess up or or whether we just don't feel that we I don't like the look of my face on camera or something like that <laughs> but but seriously the budgetary side of it as that is no longer an excuse and we know that people like to consume video whether it's on their phone or on on smart TVs or whatever it is and and just seeing the individual means that you get to know them you get to see what they look like you might see their back the background where they're working that sort of thing you get to know them you get to like them you know you'll see that they're human they may be a little bit fallible they might make the odd mistake that's fine because everybody does and you see the real person and humans just like to have face-to-face interactions and i, and I think that video gives us that opportunity to create a relationship with somebody before we've actually met. I mean, and, and, and interestingly, you going and saying that before about social sort of blurs the, the, the memory a bit. It could well be that because you and I had seen each other on video many times before we actually met in real life, you, you actually can't remember whether it was video or whether it was real life until yeah. you meet. Actually, you know, we haven't actually met in real life yet. It was a video or something, but that's powerful, isn't it? Because yeah. that can happen to anybody. And, and I think it's that window into the real you that makes video so powerful. 
Yeah, so, so so right. And that's happened to, to me and a few other people quite a few times where I feel I know somebody, because, but actually it's just because I've seen them on online on the video. And I've had that, that people have come up to me thinking that they know me. And well, in a sense they do because they've seen me on video, but we haven't actually met, uh, which is really cool. We've got, uh, Shonich has left a, a lovely message. It's quite a long one. So she says, so interesting to hear your ideas. I work as a research manager for a charity and every interaction I have with anyone is a communication and marketing possibility. Part of my job is also that I act as a go-between between researchers and participants. And sometimes when I hear you talk, I feel I could exchange either of these groups for consumers. Both of these groups I interact with need bespoke communications, finding a lot of what you say relevant to my job. Well, I'm really glad to hear that, Shonich. Um, yeah, let, let us know if you've got any, any questions for us. So, Roger, you, you've said the big advantages with video. Why would you say live video in a particular? And I also want a, a follow-up question, really, which is, do you get nervous on camera? And have you got any tips for people watching? Okay, live video first. I have to say that I'm the world's most prolific user of live video. I, I do use it um, occasionally, Periscope and Facebook Live mainly. Unfortunately, as uh, despite asking numerous times, I've not been granted the honor of LinkedIn Live yet, so I've not been able to uh, experiment with that uh, platform yet. But one of the most important things about live video for me is how it's helped me with my pre-recorded stuff. Now, that might seem a little bit weird, but if I explain, it may be comes a bit clear. And maybe this is going back to that time when I did those videos for corporate and, and I had to spend the almost like the entire day doing take after take after take after take to get it perfect for them. And when I first started doing pre-recorded video of my own in my home studio here or, or out on the road or wherever it was, what I'd, what I'd do is I'd have the tripod, I'd set up the microphone, I'd hit record, and I'd start talking from my script, which I'd try to just memorize as generally as I could. And then something had happened a minute in or 30 seconds in, I'd make a mistake, I'd fluff the lines or something. So what I'd do, stop recording, have a deep breath, maybe have a, a, a drink of water, then press record again, and I'd start at the beginning, and I'd go on again. And guess what? I'd probably get through two minutes of it, and then I'd make another mistake, stop, another breath, press record again, start from the beginning, and before I'd know it, two or three hours had gone by, by which time I'm getting increasingly annoyed with myself for messing up all this time, probably getting quite angry and it would be showing on screen. And, and of course, getting tired as well as, as, as the day goes by. And then I'd find that after two hours or so, I didn't have any footage I could use because <laughs> I'd be screaming at myself by the end of the take. Then along comes live video. And of course, when I started jumping onto live video, the realization dawns upon you almost immediately that there's no stopping it and starting again, because obviously you'd lose everybody who's watching you. So what do you do? You just stop, you have that little breath and you carry on. And if you apply that, don't stop to your live video and to your recorded, pre-recorded video, you'll suddenly find that it's so much easier. So if I do a pre-recorded video now, I just tell myself, pretend it's live, hit the record button. And if after a minute or 90 seconds or whatever it is, I fluff the lines, I'll just stop and then carry on from that point just before I fluff the lines. And all of a sudden, it's done in 10 minutes or it's done in 15 minutes. And 
if if the jump was a little bit too glaring, you can put a bit of B-roll over the top of it, or you can mask it. Or sometimes, if you if you keep your head pretty much in the same place, you can you can just merge them together, and it looks fine. And all of a sudden, two hours of straighting recording time becomes ten minutes, and you you can do four or five videos all at once. And that was because I did live, and that was the lesson that I learned from live. As far as nerves go, I guess. You, you you can never get away from that feeling that, you know, I've gone live on, on video and there could be 10 people, 100 people, 1,000, however many it is watching you. But I, I just tend to envisage that, you know, the, the camera that's looking at me is is my, my preferred customer, my customer avatar or pen portrait or whatever it is that you use to describe your customer. And I just pretend that I'm talking to them. So don't think about however many people that might be out there watching you. Just imagine that you're pointing, you're looking at your ideal customer. And if it helps, and I have done this in the past, is almost like draw, get, get, cut out a picture of somebody and stick it on top of the camera and actually point, actually look at them and talk to them. And it's amazing how it, it can it can take the can take the nerves away. I, I, I did once, and this is going back. I think it was in the year two thousand. I had to appear on a TV program. It was the ITV equivalent of Watchdog. And the company that I was working for at the time had monumentally screwed up. And I had to go on TV and be the apologist for the company. And it wasn't Anne Robinson because it wasn't the BBC, but it was the ITV equivalent. And all I had in my head was there are 2 million people watching this program and they think I'm this big, bad, horrible corporate person. That was the most nervous I've ever felt because you could almost feel the hatred from the from the public because you were this representative for some horrible big corporate but actually now you know if i focus and say no i'm talking to my ideal customer then on the whole my ideal customer quite likes me i think they do and therefore it just makes you feel at ease that's really good advice. Yeah, actually, printing out a photo of your ideal customer <laughs> and putting it behind the camera is a really, really good one. And I've heard a few people mention it, and it makes a big, big difference. So, okay, now it comes to overcomplicating marketing. This is uh, one of the, the main things we wanted to talk about today. You know, what are some of your favorite examples of companies out there overcomplicating things? Well, I've got a couple of examples here for you, Ian. And as I said to you before, I, I think that for me, the written word is often a proxy for everything else in a company. Um, I, I actually use this example in a speech. I call it the cat on the mat segment that I do, where I tell the audience a strap line, which is something like, your cat sat on our mat. And everybody in the audience can learn that line and, and shout it back to me within 10 seconds because it's dead simple and everybody can understand it. But then I progressively make that, sentence more complicated by adding in jargon and adding in more information until the end until at the end of the presentation it almost fills the entire screen but i still see ask the audience if they can shout it back to me and of course they can't and the penny drops and people realize that oh my god we've got to keep things simple and then i say to them if you think about it the very simple words should actually apply to your products as well and the process, if you have a new business process or a, or a customer experience and, and whatever your company structure is, the words are a proxy for 
everything. And if your words are complicated, it's likely your product's going to be complicated, your process and everything. And and here's a great example from a from a company. Uh, should I bleep out the name of the company or are you happy for me to say it? this was actually in the in the in the Financial Times. So I don't think I'm break. I'm, I'm going to be um, libeling anybody or anything like that. <laughs> I think that. we're OK. It, it was, it's, it's actually Ocado, the UK supermarket delivery company. Now, I'll read this out. Over the last six months, the center of gravity at Ocado Group has shifted from our heritage as an iconic and much-loved domestic pure play online grocer to our future as a technology-driven global software and robotics platform business, providing a unique and proprietary end-to-end solution for online grocery and an innovation factory applying our technological expertise to adjacent markets and other verticals. Now, they're a grocer. All I want to know is how long will it take you to deliver half a pound of bananas to my house? You know, all of that technological driven gobbledygook probably was aimed at the, at the stock market to make them look professional or investable. But most consumers are going to look at that and either just dismiss it as gobbledygook or or have a good laugh about it. it it's just utter nonsense another example this was actually the uh, the the marketing sort of mission of one of the police forces in the uk our chief constable must be able to see beyond the horizons of convention to make the paradigm shift to dream of things that have never been done before to create a strategic culture across the force that has an embedded ethos of innovation high standards of service being evidence-based being client-centered and victim focused and successfully transforming the organization for the future now again most people you ask them what they want the police to do you're going to say they want to keep us safe and we want them to nick villains they're not interested in all that gobbledygook about paradigm shifts and strategic cultures and and client-centered but the problem is is if that's the language they're using it's likely that their processes and the bureaucracy reflect the same sort of thing and I do have another one here, but I think people have probably got the point. I mean, it's just, it, it, they are hilarious. But I think a lot of these things are, they make themselves feel good, I suppose, don't they? They're all very internal. So I, I was going to ask you, turning upon ourselves, because I think although many of the people you know, listening to this podcast and watching the live stream aren't necessarily working in a corporate environment, although some, some are, most of us tend to overcomplicate things. Why do we do that? I think there are all sorts of reasons. I mean, even if you're a relatively small company, you know, you could start off with the best intentions. You start off as maybe only yourself. You maybe then employ a few new people. And eventually you start recruiting more people. And and as you do that, things start to drift. And it's a bit like the old um, cliche of boiling a frog, isn't it? You put the frog in the water, heat the water up very, very gradually the frog doesn't notice anything's wrong it just think oh the water's getting a bit warmer oh the water and eventually you boil it whereas if you try to throw a frog into boiling water it jumps straight back out again and i think that that can happen however small and nimble you start off as you grow and you become more successful it very gradually starts to to change now it could well be that all of a sudden instead of one person writing you copy or one person producing your product layouts whatever it might be you start having committees you know have you ever have you ever tried writing by committee it's 
painful. And that, you know, so-and-so doesn't like that sentence because that's not how, you know, I remember working these committee-based then the legal people were really hard because they would say, I'm not signing that off. Why are you not signing it off? Is it legal? Yes, it's legal, but that's not how I would have written it. And you'd think, well, that doesn't matter. You're here to sign it off from a legal point of view. And and it, and, it, and it's that sort of thing. And then you might end up with divisions. And, and then when divisions start, you know, group, you, you'll have the marketing team over there. You might have a group marketing team team who become obsessed with brand and then all of a sudden it's well this has got to be a specific shade of blue and there has to be an inch of white space around each of the fonts and stuff now i'm not saying that that's wrong because you know you've got to be professional around your brand but eventually if you let it go without out of control it's those things it's the color and the and the line around the words that becomes more important than the words themselves and and i and i always come back to this point that the words are a proxy for everything else and if you let it get complicated in your communications it's likely that you've let it get complicated everywhere else and it's not easy it's not easy to keep it simple because you know the bigger you get the more people you've got to bring along with you and, and try to make them understand that s- simplicity is probably more engaging to the customer than complexity. But as a leader in business, you really do owe it to your customers to to fight that that simplicity fight. I agree with you. And I could see the pain on your face. <laughs> you know, I wonder whether you've had counselling to have to deal with all these <laughs> years of working in the corporate world. Charles Ward is um, great, great comment from Roger. So from Charles, he says, I agree with what Roger is saying 100%. People buy people from people. In my opinion, corporates very often overcomplicate things and think they need Steven Spielberg to shoot video. This is a huge opportunity for small, smaller businesses as if they simplify things and use what they have at hand, like their smartphones, they can get it through to their client base, uh, client base and video will win for them. Totally agree with you, Charles. Thank you for that. Have you got any tips on how how we can keep our messaging simple. And particularly as we think about when we get on live video and communicate things, a lot of people will maybe struggle with this idea of explaining what it is that they do and how they can help their customers. Have you got any tips on how we can improve that? Yeah, there are three things that I always say to people. We've already alluded to one of them. The first one was always assume the customer knows nothing. So it doesn't matter whether you're working financial services, you're a car mechanic, you're a dentist, you're a cupcake shop, you're a florist, whatever it is, don't use the jargon and the complex language of your particular industry. Try to talk to the customer in a language that they will understand. The second thing, and this is probably more pertinent to to video, is when you're coming up with your words, whether you want to write a script first, and we could probably have a completely long conversation about scripting, but I, I tend not to script stuff. I tend to have an outline of what I want to say, but I prefer it to come out in my own words as opposed to actually laying it out in words, because again, that's where you start to let the complex war oh, I better expand that a bit. I better do a bit more here. And before you know it, it's becoming bloated. So I always say, come up with your script or your outline in your own words. And one of the things I do, and this is whether it's a script for video or whether it's an article I'm writing for a magazine or a blog or whatever, is I'll use the dictation functionality on my phone. You know, you've got that little microphone icon at the bottom of most of the apps these days. You hit that, talk into the phone, and whether it's an Android or an iPhone, Siri or whatever, 
effectively just types out what you're saying. Now, you'll have to go through it and put a bit of punctuation in afterwards. But what the what that means is that you've, you've got your script or your article, your blog written as you would talk. And that is so much simpler than any form of corporate language. So if you do that, your your first draft of whatever it is that you, you're putting together is likely to be in perfect sort of language for your customer. And talk in the language of your customer. Talk in the way that they would talk. You know, we said before about the pen portrait or the avatar or, or your ideal customer. How do they talk? You know, if <laughs> I always use this example, if, if you if you were going to meet somebody in a pub, you know, a good friend of yours, you're even your ideal customer, you're meeting them pub, you'd say to them, hey, how are you doing? I'll go and get us a couple of pints. You wouldn't say, hey, how are you doing? A couple of pints of fermented uh, hops will be procured by me for us and served in a translucent cylindrical vessel comprised of fused silicon molecules. You know, that's but that's what is happening. That's what's happening when we try to make it far too gobbledygooky and, and far too um, professional, I guess. And come back to it, talk in their language. I'll get us a couple of pints. I'll get us a couple of coffees. That's how people talk. And if you do it like that, then you're going to make it work. And then the third one is always just avoid all the gobbledygook jargon, you know, strategic staircases, low hanging fruit, focusing on the crocodiles nearest the boat, putting a record on to see if anybody dances, all of that sort of nonsense, you know, that we see people using and we laugh at it, but people still talk about it. It just makes me laugh. But for me, if live video is so good because it's you, and if you haven't had somebody write the script for you, if it's it, it's genuinely you saying what you're going to say, you're going to communicate at your own level. You're going to communicate to your customer, that ideal customer, the picture of which might be stuck on top of your camera. And that's the way to communicate. That's how to keep it simple. Well, I know what I'm going to be doing at the pub next time. I'm going to have to practice that. And yeah, I mean, speak to your customers, speak to them, speak to your audience and actually learn how they talk about things. And I, I remember speaking to a couple of my clients and the first question they were asking were very simple questions. Like, what is live video? How can I use it? And I have this tendency to overcomplicate things. So I think that that's all great stuff. It's time for our next sponsor. So I'm really proud to say our sponsor of the Content Live Marketing Show, or one of the sponsors, is Content 10X. Content 10X are experts in content repurposing, and they provide a full end-to-end -end repurposing service. As I've said many times on this show, live video is a great way to create content. And as Roger was saying earlier, you know, it's a great way to stop trying to be perfect. Just press that broadcast button and you're going to create that content. Well, what Content 10X can then do is turn that into a podcast or into a blog post or into a plethora of different content to explode across the interwebs, saving you time and helping you build your business. So if you want to find out more about their service and if you want to find out more just about content repurposing in general, Amy was actually on the show. Amy's the founder of Content 10X, but you can also check out their blog and they've also got a podcast and now also a book. So loads of different ways. They are definitely repurposing their content in lots of ways and lots of different types of content. So check out content10x.com if you want to find out more. And I thank you, Amy and Content 10X for sponsoring this show. You're, You're listening, listening to, to the, the Confident, Confident Live, Live Marketing, Marketing Podcast, Podcast with, with Ian Anderson, Anderson Gray. Gray. 
So this is something I know a lot of people struggle with, and it's the whole idea of selling on live video. You know, should we use live video to sell? What are the potential pitfalls of that? And just the whole area of selling, because I know it's a big problem for a lot of people. Yeah, I've always had this sort of built-in resistance to what I would call high-pressure sales tactics. You know, it's that you you go into a car showroom because it's time for your MOT and the guy descends upon you. And before you know it, you've signed yourself up to another three years with a different car and you're monthly payments have gone up by 50% or whatever it is. And you're how the hell did that happen? You know, well, it's probably because they put pressure on you to say, well, if you agree to this by the end of the day, we'll be able to knock it down by that. And again, cliches, double glazing salesmen, all of that sort of thing. We have this, this image in our head that sales is a little bit sleazy and high pressure. And I, I always tell this story, and in, in fact, you, you've probably heard me, me tell it, of one day my wife had invited round to our house a wine merchant. And my, my original reaction to that was, oh, my God, what have you done? You've invited a high-pressure salesman into our house. That's awful. I, I, I'm, and I wound myself up all day thinking I'm going to be ready for this guy. I'm not going to let him sell me anything. I, I, I'm, I'm just in control. And this guy arrived and, you know, I opened the door and he he was there in the doorway, this gigantic cooling boxes. And he says, hello, I'm John the wine man. And we invited him in and, and I said to him, John, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, I don't mean to be rude, but look, I don't like high pressure selling and please don't try anything on with me. And he said to me, all that's going to happen tonight is we're going to taste some wine and I'm going to answer any questions that you've got about that wine. And you can guess what happened next, can't you? I ended up buying 36 bottles off this bloke. And, and, he, and, he, and he, he came around to our house pretty much three or four times a year for the next 20 years until he retired. But I never, ever felt as if he was selling to me. All he ever did was genuinely what he said. We tasted wine and he answered questions. And I think that if you use live video to answer the questions that you know that your customers have about what you do, and you answer it in a matter of fact way, in a simple way, in an easy to understand way, then it's it's like what we said before, they're going to get to know you and to like you and to trust you as somebody who is genuinely trying to help and genuinely trying to answer those questions. And if you do it like that, then you'll probably find that you don't actually have to sell in the traditional semi-sleazy way because by answering the questions, you've created a relationship. And just like I bought 36 bottles, your customer is likely to buy from you because you haven't given them the hard sell. You've just answered the questions. And, and I think that if you go on to a live, if you did a live video and say, hey, I, I've got uh, XYZ bottles of wine for selling and, 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 you know, a bit Del Boy or whatever. And um, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll knock it down by a five. I'll knock it down by a five. If you come, that, that's horrible. But if you answer the questions and you you're genuine about what you're doing in a live video, then you won't come across as a salesperson, even if you are, and you'll get the sale. I think that's great. In a way, that is, that's what I would call selling. So John the Wine Man, he might not have 
describe him as this, but I think he was an amazing salesman. He was just not doing it in the traditional way. And that's my idea of sales. I just get caught up with the word sales, I think. And I learned a lot of lessons from that, from a marketing point of view as well, because again, a lot of marketing, certainly communi marketing communications that we get these days are in your face, pushy, aren't they? In fact, just as before we came live today, I'd had an email from a guy, I think two days ago, trying to sell me something, some podcasting service. And then another email came back today and it says something like, I notice you haven't replied to my first email. And that immediately got my back up because I'm thinking, well, I didn't ask you to send me the first one. The first one was quite pushy. This is definitely pushy. So I deleted both of them. And so many marketing communications these days have got that pushiness about them. They've got that sleazy salesperson thing about them. And again, if you can make your marketing engaging and, and by making it engaging, you've got to go back to that being helpful, answering questions that people have rather than trying to force them to do something. I think that's so important. You know, every time a new piece of kit comes along or a new app, unfortunately, marketing, the thinking is, how can we use this to promote, promote, promote? My philosophy is, how can we use it to help, help, help? And if you do that, then you hopefully will avoid coming across as that traditional pressure salesperson. And I think the issue here is that a lot of people think it, going live is all about them. That, that, you know, here's me, hello, you know, and actually yeah. you're there to serve your audience. You know, John the wine man, he, he came in to answer your questions. Yes, he had the stuff for you to try, the wines for you to try. But I've seen so often like people or businesses, they, they, they are so full of their own self-importance and they, they try and sell from that point of view. Whereas actually, if they got to know their audience, get to know a little bit more about them and, and actually serve them, then the audience are far more likely to buy from them. And so I, I just love that. I love the John the Wine Man story. I think it's, it's great. Now, if you are a solopreneur, if, if we, are we allowed to use the word solopreneur? Because I, that's another one of these buzzwords that's come about. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe you can simplify that. I'll use the word solopreneur and then you can, you can decide to change it. You know, when you are in a sense selling your own services, if you are a consultant, you've got your own courses that you've created or you've got, you're doing coaching. I think that that can be harder because it's, it's, your, it's you, isn't it? It's your stuff. Whereas if you're selling other people's stuff, I, I know a lot of people that I speak to about this, they find it so much easier selling other people's stuff. But when it comes to their own, it's more difficult. Yeah, it, it is hard. But I, I guess I would bring it back to marketing first principles. Who, th th there are th basically, if you, were, if you did a marketing degree, you'd go through that whole research customer segmentation, targeting, positioning, all of that, which is, it starts to get complicated in itself. It's very academic. But if you can articulate your offer, then it becomes about the customer rather than becoming about you. So answer, come up with your offer and answer three questions. Who's my customer? And, and that's the person whose picture was stuck on your camera or is your ideal customer. Second question, what is their issue? What is their problem that they have? Now, if you've got a course that fixes that problem or meets that issue, then that's how you're helping them. You don't go in and sell my course. You go in and say, this is how my course can help people like you. And the third thing is, how does that, how does your problem fix, how does your solution fix their problem better, preferably different to everybody else's? Now, if you understand, if you've answered those three questions honestly and properly, it's framed 
in the with the customer at the focus of it it's about them as opposed to hey i've just put this great course together and it's so good and it's only 600 bucks or whatever it is and uh, you'll learn how to do this that and the other side you're a customer you might have this problem here's a course and if you go through this course it will teach you one two three four it'll help you in this way and yes it's me but it's it's more about you and and solving your problem and the, the second part of, of of the marketing thing is setting yourself a goal and you probably want to sell a certain amount and and then how do you communicate that that's your third thing good old-fashioned marketing communications and i'd come back to what i said before don't bombard people with you know hey i'm doing a webinar on um, selling wine in a week's time and if you sign up i'm going to send you an email every hour to remind India, and then every half hour on the day of the webinar until some people will just hit the unsubscribe button in fury at you, you know, again, frame it, how can I help you? How am I helping you? I think it, it always comes down to what you can do to help them rather than how they can make you appear great or, or famous or whatever it might be. Thank you. Those are words of wisdom and I totally agree with you, Roger. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we're out of time. It's been great to have you on the show. How can people find out more about you and to connect with you? I know you have carelessly scattered yourself across the interwebs and the <laughs> YouTubes. Where, where's the best place that people can find you? Yeah, the, the main focus for me is my own website, rogeredwards.co.uk. Um, that's where you can find the videos and the um, my speaking information page and all of that sort of thing. My social media channel of choice is Twitter. It's Roger underscore Edwards on Twitter. Roger underscore Edwards. Do please get in touch. As you can, as you've seen already, I am passionate about simplicity. I'm on a crusade, as you say, to fight complexity. So do please get in touch if this is something you want to talk about. Oh well, thank you, Roger. And it's been great to have you on the show. Do check. Check out Roger's website and YouTube channel, and I've I've just been it's been amazing to see how you've been you've been speaking all across the world at all these amazing places, and I know a lot of it is as a result of you being visible on YouTube and, and really utilizing video. So definitely check out Roger's uh, YouTube channel and his website. We've also just got a final comment from Pascal Fintoni is here, so he says, "Well done, guys! Great live session. Great to have you uh, watching, Pascal. Uh, we, you're, in fact, you should be on the show at some point." Pascal, it'd be great to have you on. But I think we're out of time. It's uh, been great to have you on, Roger. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll but just it, say one mm, last thing. Yeah, go go ahead. Mr. Fintoni, I can't actually see you, but Pascal has been instrumental in shaping the way that I've done video. I mean, the guy is a professional film director, film producer of amazing talent, and uh, he's helped me a hell of a lot. So thanks, Pascal. Oh, thanks, Pascal. Yes. And thank you, Roger. So until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority, and profits using Confident Live Video. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Be sure to join the community at iag.me where you can continue to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo. Simplicity, simplicity.
puts on the show Simplicity